Hello and welcome to episode 82 of Laps Game Radio. I'm your host, Alistair Cornwall of Cornwall, and joining me today is Kevin Moore, Stuart Neal, and returning Hall of Famer all the way from Scotchland, Stuart Fury AC3. Hello, gents. Good evening. Hello. All right. <laughs> we locked the doors, but you somehow managed to bash the back one down and get in. <laughs> I see what you've done. You've actually slimmed down so that you could get through the cat flap. <laughs> We've just got one arse cheek through it. <laughs> it was all those Kinect games. That's what it was. Times are tough. <laughs> so we've all just got home and we are resting our tired feet from a lot of walking, talking and gaming from this year's EGX at the NEC in Birmingham, not Birmingham this year. And we just thought we'd get together really and chat about what's happened at the event, what we've done, likes, dislikes and all those lovely little things. Um, just for you guys to listen to. Um, so we're going to kick off. I'm going to hand it over to Stu and Kev because myself and Cullen, as we'll refer to in this episode, uh, have been quite a few times to EJX. I think we're both nearly on. It was the 10th anniversary yep. uh, this year. So I think you I'm know on that? seven years. You, you know. on eight? I'm nine. nine. Yeah. Uh, so I think I'm seven or eight, something like that. Um, so we'll hand it over to Stu and Kev. Uh, just kick us off uh, and let us know what your thoughts are uh, from this year compared to last year. Uh, well, this year I thought it was probably a better show, and I'm not entirely sure why. Um, I think it might have been just maybe a slightly better layout as such. Um, certainly there was uh, the fact that you had, you know, the proper um, Microsoft and Nintendo presence as well. Yeah. I think it certainly helped, um, so it did. The fact that they weren't anywhere really to be seen last year, and um, the sort of the really big stand would have been PlayStation. But this year... It still felt a little empty in places. There still seemed like um, a fair amount of floor space that either had been pre-allocated and then wasn't taken up and things like that. But that didn't necessarily... It meant it felt a lot more open and a lot less claustrophobic. Um, so, no, I enjoyed this year. It probably needed all that floor space, though, because this year... The, was it just me or uh, was it really, really busy this year? Saturday especially. It seemed mm-hmm. ridiculously packed. I mean, th- at one um, point you were actually queuing for indie games, yeah. which is something you never really have to do that much. Mm. Tradition I dictates mean, Saturday's always the busiest day, but... So. Yeah. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Yeah, Sunday afternoons can get really, really quiet. Problem I found was because the show was... Ex- it was weird opening hours, because Thursday it was open till 6, Saturday, Sunday it was... O- no, sorry. Thursday was 6, Friday, Saturday was 7, and Sunday was 6. Mm-hmm. So on Friday it's... Like half five, all the games started putting their, their shutters down and saying, No, no more people. Yeah. And you're kind of like, There's like an hour and a half to go, guys, here, and your queue's only like six deep. Yeah. And I think it yeah. was a bit yeah. of miscommunications between the PR uh, agency people and the <laughs> yeah. actual hall, you know, and they yeah. kind of yeah. jumped the gun. But I wasn't there till the end of the Saturday, so I don't know if they maybe uh, rectified this. Um, a little show. bit, I think. There was still a lot closed when we were walking around at end, wasn't there? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I didn't realise um, until I saw it on their Twitter feed as well that this year was the 10th year. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, it, you would have thought they'd made more of a fuss of that. To be honest, I was looking forward to kind of possibly a section like these are the highlights because obviously I'd, I've been to nine of them. So mm-hmm. um, I kind of went there and I'll be honest, the only things that showed it was the 10th, 10th anniversary was the shirts on the back of the staff. Which yeah. were yellow and said 10th anniversary. The 10th anniversary t shirt that I bought 
um, that's blue and says 10th anniversary and a handful of stickers that's uh, there wasn't even a talk like the history of you, the EGX Expo and stuff yeah, you know yeah. what I mean and you would have thought there'd have been something missed opportunity um, I think yeah. I think it, I think that that's a tone but that runs through the event it's very much a it's there but it's not it's not really we're, we're, we're not going to shout about it don't tell anyone <laughs> but I think it kind of sets the tone for the show it's like yeah it's the 10th anniversary but uh, if you don't really know it you're not really going to find out you know what I mean um, I think it was a decent show it's definitely better than last year mm. yeah yeah. last year was a bit shocking and I, it did feel <laughs> yeah. like they opened up more of the NEC this year it was uh, the same space and spread it, it out a bit yeah. more it was the same it was the same same hall yeah it was yeah. the same L shape oh, layout okay. you know I think the strengths lie in the big three being there um, yeah. but Within the big three being there, we were missing uh, Bethesda, who, yes, we're there with Skyrim on the Wheat Switch and Skyrim VR on PSVR, but there was no Evil Within, there was no Wolfenstein, sort of stuff you would expect to be shown because they were shown at an event in London a mere three days before Eurogamer. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, there was no EA. So no need for speed. Do you yeah. know what I mean? So yeah. Um, yeah. FIFA was there on the Wii. I don't know if it, it definitely wasn't there on the Xbox, and I don't know if it was there on the PlayStation. It wasn't on the Wii. It was on the Switch. My apologies. My apologies. <laughs> I'm new. I'm new to this Nintendo thing. Um, <laughs> but I, it was only on the Nintendo stand. I think I don't think it was on the PlayStation stand either. No, FIFA. FIFA yeah, it was, was on the PlayStation was. stand. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay. So I had my annual game with Colin, so he can beat me at one video game <laughs> <laughs> my impressions of it were um there seems to be an awful lot of stuff that's already out like for instance mario and versus rabbids which people were queuing for and i'm thinking why are you queuing because i'm actually playing this in the queue for another game yeah you know and it, it just seemed a bit odd until Stuart actually explained that it's not just you know the industry and it's not the insiders and it's not really an expo as such you know it's not a trade thing it's more a kind of showing who's you know out there showing them what's coming out for Christmas um, and the rest of it yeah. yeah try before you buy I think as well that as, as you were as, as you're saying about Raven Rabbits I think there's still a newness to the Switch there's still a a, 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 an intrigue you know I know uh, obviously podcast and I know certain members and that like Ali and that have got switches and that and I, it's ne- second nature to us you know but to, to, the, to the the general public you know there's, it's, it's probably maybe the first time they've actually had hands on especially something like Raven Rabbits which is a kind of you really want to try before you buy you mm-hmm. know what I mean because yeah. um, yes it's Mario but as we know, Mario games like Mario said RPGs in the past, Paper Mario is a totally different beast, and, and they may be mm-hmm. wary, you know. So um, that's maybe why there was cues for that kind of thing, you know. The thing is, as well with with regards to Switches, there's not that many as you class them AAA titles mm. out for it. There's a lot of exclusives though. There's a strong yeah, oh, there's yeah, a strong yeah. House not, lineup, you know. Yeah, there's yeah. a strong yeah. yeah. Um, so I think if they're doing a stand full of that, it's like Sony and Microsoft putting their exclusives it out yeah mm-hmm. they'd yeah. probably fill a hell of a lot but of space they were, they were such a strong presence that's the thing they were such a strong presence because I was just saying yeah. they had a Nintendo stand is doing them a disservice because they were in the indie <laughs> zone and they were here yeah they had a little indie section yeah. do you know they, yeah. they were, they, they, it was the Switch's show to all intents and purposes because mm. wherever you went there was a Switch to be played you know so yeah. it's not just a case of a Nintendo stand is it's no doubt still explaining stuff later. It's like there was hundreds of 
clandestine wee switches hiding about the place, you know. <laughs> oh, yeah. People coming Absolutely. up to when we when we queued for Battlefront Alley, you you you, yeah. you for up, you, you for some random Spaniard did come to you and say, "Do you want to play my Switch?" But I say, <laughs> yeah. "By the way, that's a that's a developer." Do you know what I mean? Um, yeah. And then you got, I've got his card now. So you get, there you go. <laughs> so that's how you know he was a developer. Um, yeah. But it was like he was just coming up to queue and asking, "Do you want to play a Switch uh, multiplayer game?" And he was just showing his wares. Um, mm. On the fly, yeah. and he had like extra Joy Cons in his pocket, and just yeah, cool. there you go, lads. Five of you, lovely. There you go. There was something merchant like at Resident Evil Four about him. Hey, I got something <laughs> of interest, you stranger. Um, that's the magic of an expo, you know. Yeah, I for the ones that the games and things that are out, it felt as if the developers and things could have maybe been pushing that a little bit more. I don't think I spoke to one um, developer or team or whatever that actually turned around to me and said, this is out now, you can go and buy it if you want to. It was only the fact that I knew that some of the games were already out, but I just wanted to have a go at them and uh, to see if they were worth purchasing or not. Um, yeah. So whether yeah. or not they had been told not to sell on the floor, I don't know. But it seems a little bit strange. It's a case, uh, as we know, uh, Insomnia is owned by Game and EGX uh, fell out with Game, didn't they? And yeah. without having, as I, I said, it, 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 it was it's a big problem. I think at the moment is the fact that you can't go to this show and buy games. Mm. Um, you can do the Amazon thing, and yeah, but uh, there's no difference between doing that and being in my living room and doing it. You know what I mean? It's, <laughs> but they had HMV before. I know they've gone a bit uh, downhill, yeah. but. But you know what I mean? It's Surely like, it's it's Granger Games or something. Yeah, it's 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 well I don't know about that after the the, the awards ceremony with the midgets and the condoms years ago. Um Cinema. But uh, it's it's a it's a party uh, the sh- it's a party sh- expos to, to go and splash some cash, you know. Um and yeah. it's usually a case if there's somewhere to buy something then you'll you'll buy it, but it's missing for Eurogamer, I think, is the ability just to go, oh, I've played, uh, say, Mario and Rabbids, and you know, I'll pick up a copy out here because I'm at it, you know? Yeah. Um, yeah. And I, I think that's a missing element to it that needs to return as well, you know? Do you know something that actually occurred to me this morning just as I was driving into work? One of the things, okay, they're maybe not selling games and things, but you'd have thought that, like, um, the Prima um, guides and things, they could have had a stand with. They were no, but so they, they were they there, used to. They were there last year yeah. and the year before because usually they do um, a kind of discount. So like, I, oh, I, yeah. I know I've got up the stairs. I've got the Human Revolutions uh, strategy guide. Mm-hmm. I've got Just Cause Free, and I've got something else. And I think they all cost me like a fiver. Yeah. And they've been there in past years. Um, yeah, and they normally have really good collectors editions going like a fiver cheaper mm-hmm. than what you can get it in store. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, um, but yeah, they weren't there this year. Yeah, I thought they were going paperless anyway. I have one down the e- ebook route. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they they are, but you can still buy strat guides. You know, what I mean, you can still oh, buy, right, the, yeah. the, especially the, the special editions because there's, there's, there's the markup on them must be phenomenal because they're yeah. usually about oh, twenty yeah. twenty five pound a piece. Yeah. Um, especially well, especially when we'll mention the big D in the room, <clears throat> Destiny Two was. Um, so prominent at the event, you know. Um, you think there would have been somebody yeah. selling Destiny Two strategy guides mm-hmm. at least. So uh, moving on, uh, we'll just go uh, and uh, lighten the tone a little bit, and we'll go for any stories, anything happened that no, anything funny uh, that happened to any of us uh, while it's queuing or just chatting to random people. Um, so, Stu, uh, Neil, do you want to go first? Yeah, um, we before the um, event and what have you, we'd been sort of. Um, replying backwards and forwards with a couple of different developers and things on Twitter um, about sort of going around and sort of at least meeting up with them. Um, a lot of the other ones were obviously just ad hoc and turning up on the day and what have you. 
Um, but we've been speaking to Oddbug Studios, um, whose uh, PSVR game, The Lost Bear, um, was at the show. Which I won. <laughs> yeah, my, my remote guidance from the airport. Um, Kev actually was able to pick <laughs> up a copy. Um, but just whenever I was talking to Jack um, of the theme, um, just casually talking to him, and Mike Biffle just walks past, and Jack just does a friendly little casual wave at him, and I'm just sitting there going, that was Mike Biffle. And Jack turns around, yeah, he was over yesterday playing the game. He really liked it. <laughs> I'm just thinking, wow, that's pretty impressive. It was the pub time, as usual, and um, you and Stu were outside with me, and you introduced us to a woman, and I never <laughs> met her before, and we just started a talking. Woman. Um, and you said that her name's Lucy Vixen, and I that meant nothing to me. I thought, mm, must be a YouTuber. So I'm just talking to her about games for about 10 minutes, and then you turn around and went, no, she's a famous X3, page three model. And I'm like, really? Oh. <laughs> <laughs> you proper lapsed. Personally, the highlight of me was talking to Team Meat about uh, Super Meat Boy, which um, hopefully the interview will be up on the Codec Moments uh, podcast in the coming weeks because uh, we started talking about the game while um, the interview started and he handed me the switch and said, play the game. So while I was playing Super Meat Boy and building up a, a bit of sweat, I was interviewing at the same time, which quickly devolved into Metal Gear Solid chat, and we ended up spending about 15 minutes talking about the, the finities of Metal Gear Solid 3, um, and how the, the new Metal Gear Solid is nothing to do with the series. So, um, yeah, that, that that's one of my more favourite random uh, interviews of uh, recent time. How does it work on the Switch, then? Just um, interest. Well, uh, the... Left, I was going to say the blue controller. So the blue controller is a slide punch and the red controller is a jump punch. Oh, nice and simple then. Yeah, you auto-run, but it is not an infinite runner. He will karate chop anybody that says otherwise. And what happens (laughs) is it's Super Meat Boy, but with just two buttons. And it loses none of the complexity and none of the difficulty. And it's very fast, very addictive, and again, very difficult. Um, it was such an early build I got hands on with that um, you don't have your trademark uh, Meat Boy fast rewind. Now, when you can put a level in Meat Boy, it shows you all the f- failed attempts. Well, it's it's so early on in the build that it doesn't have that, because that was one of the first things I asked. I says, I just keep putting a level there, and I must have killed them 900 times. Um why, why, why am I not seeing this? Anyway, no, no, this is just like a really base bones uh, build to it, but it has also confirmed that it will be out on every platform ever under the sun, including mobile, um, mm. which it kind, it kind of started to do life as a mobile game, um, but it's since evolved into the kind of next chapter in uh, Meat Boy's uh, saga. So I guess the the funny story, uh, stroke story of note, um, it's a bit of a random one. Um, so this was on, on Friday um, and in the pub again, uh, myself, um, Kev, Stuart Neil decided to go and grab a bite, have a pint uh, and chill out. <laughs> yeah. uh, so after we'd had some food, we thought, well, wash out some switches, why not? So we thought we'd have a go at how the local play works, which by the way is slick and smooth. <laughs> yeah. Bit of Mario Kart. And then there was a bit of commotion um, right near the entrance uh, over a, a sofa, uh, Kev looked at me and went, "Oh, that looks like a domestic." Cause it looked like either a boyfriend girlfriend or mm-hmm. mother son, some some kind of relationship in that area. 
Um, and then the next thing we know, there's, there's it gets a bit heated, a bit more heated, and we're like, what's going on around here? Um, and then the woman turns around, the bloke hits her on the back hard enough for it to kind of echo around the pub, which was <laughs> yeah. not loud, but, you know, the usual mumble you get in that kind of pub. Disturb my Mario Kart. <laughs> yeah, yeah, we're like, we're crashing all over the place. She then throws the contents of her drink in his face. He then has a WTF moment and launches a glass across the room, <laughs> yep. which shatters into like a million pieces over loads of people. And then security guard running around after him like... <laughs> yeah, because he just does one. He just starts yeah. pegging it. <laughs> like yeah, the yeah. It was I, I surreal. Was baffled. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it turns out they're like not together and I don't think they know each other and it was just a... They're certainly not together now. Tiff. Yeah. <laughs> and that's kind of all she wrote. That's yeah, all we, yeah. we saw of it. But The flip side of this is that I won that round of Mario Kart as well, by the way. That was the only one you won. Yeah, you did. It was the yeah, only one was. you won. <laughs> yeah, won, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I think Kev paid them. Yeah, everybody else were watching what we're doing. <laughs> <laughs> um, so uh, moving on from there, and it kind of does follow on quite nicely. Uh, the biggest surprise of the show uh, for us all. Um, so my biggest surprise, um, I'll, I'll kick straight off because we've kind of touched on it already, is just the sheer amount of switches and how much the switches were about and how much the indie devs were using them. Um, it appears that it's quite easy-ish to code for uh, and Nintendo have been very open about the fact that they want people to be able to develop for it and the devs to get on board with it um, uh, Mantis Burns Racing was on it, having a good chat to them about it, although they've recently gone up to 4K and then they've got to try and squish this massive thing down into <laughs> and to get it onto the Switch and Stu's already said about the random uh, guy that came up to me with, it was a little bit like a Super Meat Boy game where you had to dodge lasers and things but multiplayer um, but they were everywhere. Most stands uh, where I think they could get it onto a Switch had it on a Switch. I think that's safe to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, was, I was playing Shoe um, on its own, and that was just over at the Coatsync stand. As you said, um, there was the large presence by Nintendo themselves, but then there was a Nindies um, section over in the Reyes section with at least, I think there was, what, three or four um, consoles on each side of that. So that's a total of eight yeah. playing a variety of games as well. And they were all on the Switch. And most of them were obviously docked and connected up to the TVs. And so therefore you were playing on pro controllers and things. Um, but I was playing Dimension Drive um, on the Switch in that section. And I turned around to the guy and said, you know, how does this play on the Switch um, whenever it's not docked? And he says, hang on. So he reached in behind um, his pedestal or whatever, pulled out his own personal Switch and let me sit and play on that for a while as well. And yeah, you know, they all seem to have them. And it's really nice to see. I think part of it is the fact that the Switch um, seems to handle Unity um, as a game engine really well. And um, so many games now are obviously being developed and um, produced in Unity. So it's easy enough for them to port um, sort of backwards and forwards between all the consoles and PC now. I presume this means that you're now even more tempted to get one. Uh, but we'll gloss over that. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, but even like Rogue One, uh, myself and Stu went down to play Sonic Mania, was it? And that was on Switches? Yeah, yeah no, it was Sonic Forces. Mm-hmm. We, Forces. We played um, on the... Because mine, they had the, the kind of freaky, cool uh, pro pads. Oh yeah, well, with a, a detachable D-pad. Yeah, which were about kind of track. And then there were three people that had them portable. So Rogue One, I was playing that on the little screen. Um, and then the Mantis Burns Racing, they had one docked and one You mean Rogue handheld. Trooper? Oh, sorry, Rogue Trooper, yeah. Sorry. Redux. Mm. Yeah. yeah. Yes. 
Um, but I think that that guy, I haven't got his business card next to me, it's downstairs, but the guy that just randomly came up, I think that's just a fantastic idea of, here, here's a switch, it's got its own built-in screen, mm-hmm. granted I might have to go and charge it up or chuck a battery pack on it, but do you want to have a go on my game until you can't physically see me to play the game? Here, um, just what actually you're saying about that, is that the game where it's like four of you have your little blocks on screen and there's lasers sort of moving around and you have to try and either push the other ones into it or... Yeah, and avoid. then you get like it's flat he- cannons Yeah, it's stuff. flat heroes, it's called. Ah, so it is, yeah. they had that, we had up to five on it at one point. Oh, okay. They had that on the Nindies stand as well, and as right, um, it has been in development for a little while now. So yeah, again, it's another one that has been in development for a while. Obviously, they planned to launch it on different consoles and things, but then the Switch came out in March and thought, well, yeah, yeah. we'll get it onto that Sim- as well. The similar thing happened yeah. with Inops as well, yeah. didn't it? By ZRZ Studios or ZRZ, because yep. um, they were there last year, and I think they were there the year before, but. Um, Definitely, last year they were showing it on PC, and um, then of course this year they've, they've upgraded it again, so it's on Switch, and you've actually got touchscreen capabilities, whereas you didn't last year. Yeah. You know, so they they've basically been able to dive back in and redesign it. And the guys said that up until the Thursday, I think it was the Wednesday or Thursday before they were actually turning up, they were still finishing the programming, and they've just got it mm-hmm. done in time. Yeah, actually, in ops, um, it was. Last year that I saw it, and then I saw it again, it raised in March. Yeah. And last year, um, it was basically purely a mobile game. So they've completely flipped and um, <laughs> have now developed it for console and things. And whenever yeah. they were speaking to other people in the industry, they said, look, if you can do that, put it out on the consoles and PC first before then putting it on the mobile, simply for the fact that people will see it more as a proper game. Um, yeah. Than if you put it yeah. onto mobile first and then um, flip it onto the consoles. I, I suppose it begs the question, and I know what the answer is going to be to this, but I really think Sony missed the mark because um, with the Vita, which we've just had an episode about, that is very much kind of indie based as well to an extent. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of indie games on that, yep. and they should have been doing this ages ago. I know you can't dock it, and it's a little bit different, yeah. but it just shows that within the at least indie development community that the switch is highly thought of and seems to be a very very valuable asset to them i think um which is great i think to an extent it's because not necessarily the failure of the wii u but i think even back with um with the wii u nintendo were definitely starting to court an awful lot of the indies and trying to sort of fill up their e-shop and what have you without necessarily dumping an awful lot of their old titles onto the virtual console, which obviously an awful lot of people would have preferred. Um, but there has been an awful lot of uh, good games coming onto that. And I think they're just carrying that forward then onto the Switch as well. And it's perfect for that because in reality, the Switch is going to be a lot of people's portable console. And yeah. for you flipping it onto, um, you know, pushing people almost to go purely digital, um, except for maybe the big games that they've got on a cartridge. Pushing it down the indies and making that a portable indie machine is a brilliant um, strategy. Yeah, definitely. Okay, so uh, moving on, has anybody got a uh, the the biggest letdown? What was uh, the the biggest letdown in terms of you know like a counter to the switch? So was there something there for me? Probably the Xbox stand, although it was great having them back. Um, it it was very busy all the time, but there was no actual stage. It was a, there was no it was a bit of non-event. Giveaways. Do you not think the Xbox yeah, stand? Yeah, kind of like an open yeah. tent, wasn't it? Really, you know, but, it just uh, looked like it just been thrown together. But it was like thing. this is your first chance to. I know cynics all have taken another stance on this. I know, I know they're out there, but I think that um, 
the whole X thing was 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 as we said with the tenth anniversary was just non-existent it was mm-hmm. like where is the big banner saying welcome to the new generation play it now and all this it was just like you wouldn't know you're playing on the X unless you looked up and saw a banner they had yeah Lucky's Tale uh, Shadow of War um, Forza 7 and Assassin's Creed they were all on the X Sea of Thieves uh, Sea oh, no, nice. of no, Thieves was on the Xbox oh uh, um, right so was PUBG <laughs> on the Xbox and that's your whack actually for the Xbox stand um, yeah. and it was a case that it just was a non-event there wasn't any hurrah or buzz or anything about it and it was a very much a case of prior to the show it was like this is the only chance to play it before launch in the UK and blah 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 and then you know like, you get there and it's like so yeah you get we, there and it's locked in the yeah. toilet behind a door saying beware the leopard yeah and it, it, yeah, it's, it's yeah. total worlds apart for um when I got hands on with back in July, it was like it was like you were in Vegas. It's big lights and shiny <laughs> things, and hey man, you want to play this new console? And blah blah blah. And I know the Americans do things better, you know what I mean? Uh, sometimes, but they really did this better. Um, and y- do you not think that? Do you think they fell out with Eurogamer a little bit with them not being there last year, or did they do something to upset them so they've just gone? Look, we'll put something out because obviously we've got this big console coming out. But not go the whole hog. We'll see how I it goes. I don't know. It's it's a weird one. It really is because it's like every if you, if you look at every stand other than Nintendo, if you look at every stand, there was such a finite amount of games. You know what I mean? It wasn't overly um, bulging, shall we say, with content. You know, mm. it was um, yeah. It was like you had a few big hitters, and then you filled your holes with bits and pieces. Like Ubisoft, Ubisoft was. Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, South Park, and then it was filled with Raven, uh, Raven Rabbits, and yeah. Mario, and um, <laughs> again Switch. <laughs> I think, I think, yeah. I think that was that really. Do you know what I mean? So Ubisoft only showed three games at the show, technically at their stand, you know. And it's kind of like I don't really know what's happening and how it's how this is. You know, I mean, it, in no way was it a bad thing, but in the same turn, it was not really. It's, it's a change for past times, you know? Yeah, even the, the PlayStation stand wasn't great. They were a little bit obnoxious on the stand and over loud as they are all the time, which yeah. I don't get because that just puts me off. Mm. Um, but even theirs was, uh, you can bleep this out, Kev, it was a complete cluster f- of a stand mm-hmm. because you, you couldn't find it because it took me and my mate ages to find uh, WWE 2K18s there um, and we just wanted to see what it looks like. And it took us ages to find exactly where it is, and it's just in some like chill out area within their stand. And it was like buying. It's like a little uh, rabbit warren. And it made there was no rhyme or reason to how they laid it out because it was like one minute yeah. you've got Kino Kino Nini Nino Kuni too. Next yeah. day, um, Lego superhero uh, Lego Marvel superheroes too. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> next to NBA K eighteen. Next to WWF. Next to everybody's golf, and there was no banners or posters or anything it was all just banks yeah it was very generic looking wasn't it, it was like a playstation 4 arcade yeah almost. and and there was no queuing system and there was this is the other thing as well me and ali spoke about at length was you get two kinds of games at Eurogamer. you get the queue for games and then you get the common sense should dictate you for enough son move on kind of games but <laughs> there's always somebody 
who doesn't want to get off that machine and move on and you're left standing there like a plum while they're on their 19th lap of some racing game or 20th fight, you know. Um, and it's just a case of with certain things in that PlayStation area, it would have been nice to have a wee bit of a queuing system just so you could get on. I mean, uh, yeah, and have a or go. even just a time limit. Yeah. Um, and just say, lads, you know, I appreciate you playing it. There's nobody really waiting, but I'd prefer to have a free console for someone to come and have a go mm-hmm. and just run a demo on it. Um, you know, because then people, someone would be there within a few minutes. Oh, yeah, that's free. Let's go and have a look at it. Um, there was quite a big hidden away stand for FIFA, which was a bit bizarre. <laughs> yeah, um, it was a bit. And there was loads of consoles for that. There must have been 20 or 30 consoles for that. Mm. Uh, which was a bit crazy. But remember, FIFA, um, FIFA launched theoretically the Friday of the show because the early access or the, I forget what you call it, to the Ultimate Team Edition perhaps, it launched digitally that day. So obviously, do you know what I mean? It's, it's in their it's in their benefit. It's like Project Cars launched the Friday, do you know? Um, we'll, we'll keep with the little bit of negativity and then we'll raise it up to the end of the podcast. So what was anybody's worst game or stands? So when we say stands, that's like your merchant stands or... Uh, even the layout of some stands like we've gone on to a little bit um, but what was what was the, the worst points for some people was there any bad games you played PUBG was entertaining on the Xbox um, horrible yeah, I heard horrible, that from several people as well horrible game for an Xbox just doesn't work <laughs> um, it took from loading to playing to parachuting that's about five to four minutes worth of gameplay um, and then when you land you're in the lap of the gods so if you're playing it like you would play it at home you'd land out in a field and you'd rifle some weaponry and some stuff and then start your hunt to kill a hundred people mm-hmm. uh, but I knew I was at an expo so I just went right into the heat yet. I landed ran into a place got a gun and I got shot within a matter of minutes no, at the end of the day, uh, the purpose of this was to see if A, it ran well, and B, it felt right. And it did, up to the point I got shot, because I fired a few rounds as well and stuff. So I, I sampled all the elements, shall we say. Um, and then once I died, the woman went, eh, there's a, there's a, still a few minutes if you want to go again. And I went, yeah, it takes about four minutes to actually get into the game. And she went, oh, you're right. And I'm like, yeah, do you not think that's something you should say to people? Do you know what I mean? <laughs> if you're playing this game, you're only going to get eight minutes on it. Now, rather than jumping in the middle of nowhere, kids, jump somewhere where you can fight. Um, but the other thing as well was it was the fact that when you were in the game, you were actually playing with another hundred people, which is really interesting considering there was only five machines there running it. Um, which makes me think there's the cross-platform play is live on it at the moment. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. Either that or somebody there's beta testing it and there's a lot of them and no one knows about it. Um which is quite interesting um, just because it's a case of PUBG is like flavour of the year you know yeah to the point that they are trying to sue Fortnite for putting a PUBG yes. style yes. mode in this is rich coming from a company this, this is rich coming from a company who've already used uh, H1Z ones <clears throat> um, what shall we say game to do the same thing um yeah, this could be the No Man's Sky of this year. Um, I'd say watch this space because I'm definitely going to put Player Unknown into the um, the Molyneux camp, shall we say. Oh. Uh, a very, very clever man, but um, possibly on the downfall just now. Um, same way, Sean, Sean Murphy for No Man's Sky, Sean? Yeah. Yeah, he's the same, promised the world, didn't he deliver? 
no, they're all the same. These guys, they're all great until that point. Do you know what I mean? Um, and I think this is one to watch. I know that's a total tangent and stuff, but um, it'll be interesting to see how it goes because yeah. I know that Grand Theft Auto's got a, a battle royale mode, and yeah, I've got try and see them. I've got a feeling. <laughs> I've got a feeling other games are going to follow in suit. I think my biggest letdown of the whole thing was probably the Rogue Trooper game which we just talked about um, I don't know where we were expecting really but when I started playing it I thought it's Call of Duty mm. it's just Call of Duty and that's it it's just they've taken characters and put a new skin on Call of Duty because even up to the point where when you're actually trying to keep up with your team if you start running ahead it stops you doing it you know and it, mm. it waits for you have to basically wait for everybody to catch up uh, yeah, I don't know. It just, uh, it just felt so generic. It was a real pisser, you know, because they, that was one I was looking forward to. And, uh, don't know, just felt a little bit of yeah. a letdown. For me, um, as you've already said, just the kind of higgledy-piggledy nature of the PlayStation stand. Um, <laughs> yeah. The fact that they had Monster Hunter World um, running on, I think there was... What, yeah, I completely f- forgot about yeah, that. It seemed to be running on four consoles. Now, there was a queue for it, but you wouldn't have known there was a queue until you actually got round to that section. You would have thought they would have advertised it a little bit more. Um, or yeah, had a big banner, that was one I was, I was meaning something. to go on with you, Stu, but like you say, I'd completely forgot it was there. Yeah. Um, and there was, again, there was no... Saying that's a fairly big game coming out yeah. and we don't get a copy of Monster World on every generation every console every year every couple of years you would have thought they'd have made a big hoo-ha about that yeah um well monster hunter world is a particularly big thing because basically since monster hunter try um the monster hunter series has been exclusively nintendo so like mm-hmm. this this is the first one that is actually now coming to um a new a new console everyone yeah it's coming to um pc as well so you know it is a big deal but again there was four consoles set up and they were on the other side of uh, lego marvel superheroes 2 and again there was you know there was a queue for it but you wouldn't it, what, the queues on the PlayStation stand didn't seem to be as well directed as they were on the Nintendo stand. And Nintendo definitely had a smaller stand than the overall PlayStation one. Um, another thing that I found really odd about the PlayStation one, um, Kevin and myself managed to get on a fairly quiet um, Lego Ninjago, um, the movie one. And there was no audio from the consoles. No. What? Really weird. Yeah, it was a very dead um, effect. It's really not a good way of showing off a game, um, especially with something like the Lego games, where there is you want the humor coming out through the cutscenes and things like that, but you couldn't hear what was yeah what was Jackie going Chan's on. in that, isn't he? So it'd be interesting to know if Jackie Chan's actually in the video game. Yeah, yeah, doing any voiceovers or anything. Yeah. There were just loads yeah. of bean bags. It was just like <laughs> yeah, yeah, just it's, throw it's, them down. Yeah, it was tra- it's crazy down. when you yeah. what? you go from something like that to some stands that had the latest Turtle Beach whatever they are mm-hmm. and even uh, on the the destiny stand um they had the was it the dx racer chairs dx racer chairs and the series pro yeah. set up as well um which is crazy and then you go to somewhere else and you're on b mags and it's like what's happening here I've just been sat on like a chair that i technically can't even get in the uk uh, <laughs> over there and now i'm on the floor like some heathen um or, or when we went and played star wars we had to stand yeah, yeah. It, it stood for two hours in a queue yeah <laughs> well this might be a bit, a bit, a bit, a bit heavy yeah. but we stood for a while um thank god for the crash barriers at the grand turismo but um star wars <laughs> yeah. 
should have been better. Um, there could have been guys dressed as stormtroopers. There could have been bits and balls. Well, last last year we had the massive Tie Fighter mm-hmm. and something else, wasn't it? Well, there? when you look at what the, the rest of the world got when in terms of Star Wars, um, Gamescom had a, an attack in the hall. Uh, yeah. E3 had a, I think it was a squad, a, a, a platoon of stormtroopers guarding the stand. It's it's, it's a case of the, the the world seems to be getting all the good stuff and we get nothing, you know. It wasn't even a briefing. Do you know what I mean? It was not like we oh, yeah. we, yeah. we get took into a room and uh, briefed. The other thing I know as well is. Uh, Gamescom and the E3, if you played the game, you get like a limited edition one of 5,000 uh, Star Wars print. Yeah. Uh, one, I think the, the E3 one was an Inferno Squadron pilot. Um, and I think the Gamescom one was like the main character holding her helmet. Um, but Eurogamer got none of this. All we got was a lanyard. <laughs> um, I guess uh, I guess for me, one of the worst stands, um, pay me to say it, and it won't surprise you a little bit, is a Thrustmaster stand. On two occasions, I went to the stand, once with, with Cullen. We stood there looking at the wheels, and you can buy them there. And the guys, um, you're going to have to bleep this out because I have to rage on this. They couldn't give a f- what's happening. You just stood there. Do you want to sell me a wheel with Project Car? Do you want to have a go on it? Which wheel would you like? You know, have a seat in here because they had different seats. They had the, the ones that are like 200 and something pounds where it's an actual car seat. You can move it backwards and forwards. Or you have the, like the deck chair thing with the wheel on it. folds up and lovely. And there was just no input. It was just as if two random guys were just there on the stand. Couldn't give less about what they're doing. Um, The second time I went back and actually had to, I had to go on, albeit on the PlayStation version of um, uh, Project Cars 2 because it was a shorter queue. Uh, The guy couldn't even work the seat. So initially he wanted me to drive with my knees. And I'm like, (laughs) do you mind if I just pull the lever back and get back? I couldn't get it to work. (laughs) <laughs> and then he says, oh, you have, you have to break dead early into the corner. No shit. You have to break it like a 600 metre board, which doesn't exist because they've not set up the wheels properly. And he's like, oh, yeah, it's a bit twitchy. Well, set the wheel up properly. You're here trying to sell wheels mm-hmm. and you can't even set it up properly. The biggest problem oh. I had, as you know, with that stand was I really wanted to get hands on with a new Sparkle Premier wheel that had just launched, you know. I think yeah. it's like a £700 wheel. Um, and uh, it's a real piece of kit, I hear, but they didn't mm. have it on the stand and no, I was kind of no, like as if they've got a manufacturer there to just for the sake of the name yeah that's how it felt there was no appetite to sell anything do anything promote anything it was just a quiet tucked away place where you can try and play a bit of Project Cars 2 without a massive queue on a wheel mm-hmm. 700 quid for a wheel that's nothing we um that's insane we, we, we had um, Chrissy Doran a professional racing driver um, review a Fanatec wheel <laughs> yeah. uh, last yeah. weekend which you can also read her review on the Codec Moments website <laughs> um, and it's um, £1,300 all in for the wheel the pedals and the gear shifter and that's without a seat to mount it all on <laughs> For that, um, for that kind of money, I wanted to drive it for me. But trust me, you know, the, 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 see the flip side of that is that um, Forza had the Fanatec wheels, and they are lovely. They are. That's the first time I've actually experienced the the Forza wheel. Um, and you can tell it's, it's if, if if you're into it, you're into it. You know what I mean? Um, one of my biggest issues as well was there was two D boxes at the event, and they were both in the Intel arena, which again is a rather strange thing as well if I'm honest but um, I would really have liked to see Project Car oh Project Cars showed the game on a D-Box 
which was really interesting because the D box and the VR and stuff, and it was really good. But that wasn't a uh, Eurogamer, and I was like, yep. why the Forza? Project Cars not showing their game, it's the best that can be, you know. Um, and trust me, D boxes are amazing if you're into driving. They're about four grand, but if you get a chance at an expo to have a go on them, it's amazing. But it's just annoying that they've, they've got this kit there and they've not set it up mm-hmm. properly, or people. And I was like, oh, can, can I turn these sys off and do manual gears on it? It means I've got to reset the game. That's enough of the, the negativity. Um, let's go uh, with our best games and, and your best stands, the ones that, that filled you full of joy and wanted you to go back for more, even after the show had shut. Uh, so, Stuart, you've been quiet, uh, Neil, that is, uh, for a while. Uh, so, go on, let's uh, let's have your best ones. Okay. I know you've played a, a plethora of games. Oh, um, yeah, I was doing a quick count. Um, I, just in preparation for the show and everything, I brought up the EGX website, which basically, you know, you can go into the floor plan or whatever, and it lists all the games that were there at the show. So I did a quick count of the games that I've played and games that I just sort of generally watched but didn't necessarily get a hands on. I played 33 and then actually saw running probably 20 more and that's not necessarily even including the ones in the left field collection um, that are very quick look at. So yeah, oh, about 53 odd games or so. That's not bad going. That's quite yeah, insane. Yeah. Impressive list. Yeah. Um, so I'll keep this brief and um, I'll do a an article for the blog or whatever, so all about the rest of them. Uh, so my three highlights, um, gaming-wise, are Augmented Empire on the Gear VR by Coatsing. Yeah, that was really good. Uh, Forgotten Anne um, by Throughline Games, um, which is coming end of the year, starting next year, um, on consoles and PC. And then um, Perfect Date, which is a cat dating simulator um, <laughs> in the sort of vein of Hatterful Boyfriend. <laughs> Um, That's so weird. Is I think again possibly end of the year, um, start of the next year, and Falling Sky, uh, which was one of the student games um, in the NTFS um, area, all just wowed me in their own um, in their own ways. Augmented Empire is a great uh, tactical um, game, so it is on Gear VR. It plays so well and so nicely. Um, on that um, it was absolutely fantastic and it's definitely sold me on that I was sort of humming and hang I know Coatsync are one of those ones that um, I can almost rely on uh, to produce an interesting and different um, kind of game and uh, so yeah that's definitely sold that for me so it has so would you say that is your game of the of the expo um, I would if you had to pick one oh um, out of those ones um, I would probably say Forgotten Anne simply for the fact that I am really looking forward to playing a lot more of that. It's a an almost sort of Ghibli-esque um, animated uh, 2D sort of platformer, but it has a story running through it and everything, and just seems really, really lovely to play. Um, I had played that at Rezd earlier in the year, and actually the developer, Ingvi, um actually recognised me, and so I got chatting to him and everything before I actually got on. He had one little console stand, um at Reyes, and this year, um, because he has um, sort of backing by the Square Enix Collective and what have you, he had a stand with six PCs um, on it running this. Um, so that probably says an awful lot about the confidence um, that Square Enix have in this. And yeah, I think it's going to be a big game, um, more than likely probably being pushed into the start of next year, um, but certainly one to very much look forward to. Cool. Uh, and do you have a, a favourite stand? I do. Um, I... 
had been again it was one of the ones that I'd um, been sort of going backwards and forwards on Twitter um, with some of the teams and things beforehand and the NTFS um, stand with basically eight student projects um, but they were all ridiculously expensive or not expensive they were all ridiculously um, you know well handled and produced and everything admittedly they're only sort of small slices of um, the actual games and things but I was just so impressed with them and I w- went over to them on, uh, it was four o'clock on the Friday. It wasn't until late afternoon on the Saturday that I was finally able to actually get round all of the games and give them a play, just because of how busy that stand remained um, across the two days that we were there. And even on Saturday, they were doing like um, sort of press interviews and things like that um, with the students as well. There was just a wonderful sense of camaraderie um, between them. Um, a lot of the developers and what have you that turn up to these things, um, if they're small indie ones, it's basically them and them alone. Um, but for that stand, uh, they were backed by their lecturers and things. They were backed by other people who were doing the same course, but were helping out um, as volunteers on each of the uh, the different parts and each of the different games and things. And it was just, it was really, really nice to spend time in there and just generally talk to everybody. Um, it was fantastic. Yeah. I think, I don't know how I feel about the... Uh, indie stands being front and centre so when the big doors open that's what you see and that's what everyone rushes past well, uh, you see, um, I, I, but they were pretty busy yeah, I, I don't know I, I have a good theory about this and I think it was one that um, Colin had said as well it's a good way of getting footfall to those um, and getting them seen because if you put the Playstation or Microsoft or whatever up front people aren't actually going to venture much further into the hall you know, whereas yeah. if at least if they're there, people go in and say, oh, here, there's a game that's free and I can get onto it and I can sit and play it for a while and what have you. You know, because you walked past some of the other bigger stands um, towards the back. Um, we walked past what Assassin's Creed on the Friday and they actually had a sign up saying that there was a three hour queue uh, to get onto Assassin's, yeah. Creed, uh, Assassin's Creed Origins. And, you know, for a game that anybody who was queuing up there is probably knows they're going to go and buy that. Um, yeah, but if you're getting the bizarre. if you're getting the footfall past the rest section, these are games by developers who really do need the sales. Um, they actually get yep. their games seen and things like that. So, to a degree, yes, it is strange, but I can understand the thinking behind it. That not it does help the them and it brings people into the rest of the hall as well. That's a fair enough conclusion. Um, Kev, what was your Best game, best stand. Oh, um, of the show, if game. you can remember. Yeah, <laughs> probably. Um, oh, it's a tricky one. I would say it was either going to be Figment from Bedtime Digital that's coming out on PS4 and what have you later this mm-hmm. year. That looks glorious and plays really well. Really nice little puzzler, um, but very bizarre art style and really kooky soundtrack so i was really sold by that one mm-hmm. it's either gonna be that or um probably team 17 uh thinking about it which was um yoku's island express which is a weird combination of a kind of rayman-esque looking graphics mm-hmm. and feel to it as well cross me a pinball game it's <laughs> quite okay. a bizarre game but it, it Honestly, when you're looking at people playing it, you're thinking, what the hell's going on here? This just looks insane. But as soon as you start playing it, it's like, oh, this makes perfect sense. See, again, Team 17, they they probably have the best stand, definitely, because, I mean, they had Worms on there as well, uh, WMD, and that's coming out on Switch as well. Um, oh, God. Yeah, 
Oh, I think if I had to kill one of them, I'd probably kill um, Yoku, and I'd go for Figment. Fair enough. Uh, Mr. Cullen, would you like to share your thoughts if um, you have any? As always, it's, it, wouldn't, it wouldn't be me for an opinion. Um, <laughs> for me, it kind of falls between... I really liked Mario Odyssey. The f- I know, I know, sit down, kids. I know I'm a changed man. <laughs> Are you sure this is the same guy? Well, yeah. A lot of We've broken fans. you. <laughs> In more than one way. Um, hey. But, um, yeah, maybe because it didn't have a five-hour queue like it did the first time I tried to for it. Um, but uh, it, it's, it's an interesting one, open world. Um Lots of side quest style objectives. Um, interesting controls as well. Uh, it was nunchucks in the air and you flick your wrists to throw, throw his hat, which oh, I'm like, okay. that is totally not what I expected. And I'm kind of like, I hope I don't have to do that when I get it because I kind of want to play it docked, no docked, but Joy-Cons yeah. docked. Um, but hey, we'll see. Um, but yeah, um, Mario Odyssey was very good. Uh, Bomber Crew, Bomber Crew, oh, oh, so much love that, that looks game. great. That um, looks brilliant. FTL basically in a World War Two setting uh, from Curve Digital, nice. and yep. you basically man a, a Lancaster bomber, and you control the crew, and you put the radio man, the tail gunner, the belly gunner, the the my dick and stuff, and you can send your guys out into the wings. <laughs> To, to mend them and stuff and it, 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 it takes a serious topic but throws a bit of comedy in there uh, for good yeah. measure um, Black and White Budokai was, uh, is always a favourite of mine uh, I like fighting the girlfriend at it I think there may be a video going up on the Codec Moments uh, YouTube uh, me getting my arse handed that'll get a lot of hits <laughs> I think it will gaming gaming giant f- fallen do you know what I mean can't handle his girlfriend in a 2D fighting game um, unlike you Kev as well I really like Rogue Trooper um, I played Rogue I, I played as a, as a young pip of a lad before I knew uh, what the world was about uh, I really liked Rogue Trooper on the original Xbox so much yeah. so I have a signed copy up the stairs on my desk uh, by Cam Kennedy, who was a Scottish artist in Rogue. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. And I really, I really like the story. I really like the game. And I can't wait for it to come out. Um, I'm rereading Rogue Trooper as we speak. All 900 pages of the anthology. I don't think it was the game that disappoints me as such. It was just the game mechanic if you like you know, but, the thing, but the thing is you remember that core, that mechanic's like True. nine, ten years old you know what I mean yeah, it's, yeah. It's, and, yeah. and to be fair to them they've implemented modern day elements in it so it's an mm. HD remake it's not a here's Rogue Trooper in 2017 or here's Rogue Trooper for <laughs> 2001 reskinned rebooted and <laughs> resuited to launch so uh, maybe that's a, a bit jarring and stuff with it but um no, it's, it's it's definitely up there. And again, in the indie section, you know what I mean? Yeah, um, yeah. I definitely think it's it's a case of indie rule. And indie ruled, yes, indie ruled. The it high waves. definitely did this year. Yeah. Um, as it did last year. But again, well, last year, if you listen back to last year's show, I'm sure I moaned about how it felt like Res Mac 2. This year's didn't quite feel that way. But I think there's a few bits and pieces that I'd like to see brought back into the fold. Because I think I think that in the section split a wee bit. It's all about 
jam-packed, you know, um, which is a bit awkward when you're talking to some devs and no other devs, because I think, do you know what I mean, it's kind of like, oh, why are you talking to them but no us? And I like a wee bit of breathing space. But, um, <laughs> yeah, it was good. It was it was good. Um, and, yeah, two thumbs up. <laughs> <laughs> Waiting for that one. Hey, um, old ones are the best so ones. I think... <laughs> I think for me, you've you've touched on it, um, but for both stand and game, it has to be Stranger Brigade. The stall itself was eye catching, mm-hmm. um, the way it was set up, um, as if it was in like some Egyptian pyramid, stroke like old. Uh, it's weird because it even had the um, oh, what do you call it, the balloon above it, blimp. Um, oh, the blimp. The blimp. Yeah. That's it. Yeah, so massive blimp above it, and even when you sat it stood in it I don't know if it happened while you were playing it still, I'm sure it did but the smoke that comes in as well just to give it some I don't know a, a different environment while you're playing it but it just played really really well and I guess the only way to explain it is the Gears of War play style um, so over the shoulder shooting um, but mixed with Indiana Jones I guess uh, with, with like the mummies that are coming at you and, and different things <laughs> Left for Dead, yeah. Um, but yeah, so for me, uh, really quickly, because obviously you guys have just talked about it quite a bit, really, really good stand, really, really good game. Um, and looking forward to playing it. Um, I think that was probably one of the stands that had the most standoutness to it, if that's a word. <laughs> a lot now. of them were, were, yeah, a lot of them were very generic. Even the Destiny 2 stand, which had massive models and different things up, they were generic. It was just yeah. red virgin stand. There was nothing... Yeah, I suppose the only other thing was the the massive rabid. I uh, got a photo with Nintendo that. Stand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so I think for me, uh, Strange Brigade, uh, we'll give that two thumbs up. Why not? Since Stu's on the show. <laughs> Hello, Laps Gamer Radio. It's Andy from Codec Moments. Uh, I'm sorry I didn't get a chance to meet with you at EGX. We'd planned to go on the Thursday when it was nice and quiet. And originally, our intention was to stay and to perhaps try and catch up with you guys on the Friday and to do something social. Uh, and then work got in the way and ended up in North Wales. Um, so, yeah, terribly sorry. Uh, and I'd, I'd love to be with you now, live. But uh, unfortunately, I'm, I'm not. I, I'm in Reading at the Majeski Stadium. Uh, I don't like football. It's, it's just got a hotel uh, near my office. So I thought I'd drop you a quick line just to talk about EGX. So I know you've been talking about your biggest surprises and your letdowns of the show. Uh, oh, well, I mean, Nintendo being back, that was that was surprising to me. But yeah, perhaps the biggest surprise and uh, letdown as well was the lack of Bethesda. I was uh, I was really looking forward. Um, I was going to hope. Well, I was really hoping there was going to be an opportunity to play the new Colossus. Um, such a massive fan of the New Order and uh, Doom, Prey. Ah, I just wanted them to bring something to the show floor, and they had such a great turnout with Dishonored 2 last year. So that was that was a shame. Uh, I know you've been talking about the worst games and stands, and to be honest, I didn't I didn't play a bad game there. I enjoyed everything I played. Worst stand? Ah, oh, man, there were some there were some pretty bland stands. There were lots of bland stands. Uh, but I think it, it's a shame that Project Cars 2 being released on on the Friday of EGX didn't give anyone an opportunity to play it with a with a decent racing setup. It would have been really nice uh, to have played that with a with a steering wheel and pedals to really kind of be able to compare it to GT Sport, which once again brought those fantastic racing pods uh, that are just slightly too short for human beings. But I think undoubtedly uh, the best stand and the best game of the show for me was Strange 
Brigade, which I've been really, really practicing hard to say because it's quite complicated. Strange Brigade. Strange Brigade. It was awesome. I can only describe it as a zombie army trilogy meets the Aztec Zone from the Crystal Maze, <laughs> including including a Richard O'Brien-esque narration. It was brilliant. We um, we got to have some hands-on with that, and we got special Strange Brigade, said it again, coins, uh, because we smashed the devs' time, which was, uh, which was really nice, although I'm pretty sure that everyone's going to be saying the same thing. I really hope we can coordinate our diaries better next time. I'd love to meet up with you guys again. Um, you know, other than uh, other than not seeing you, 2017 was a brilliant show. So, uh, yeah, so love to you all. And uh, toodle pip, uh, don't, don't forget to check out the Codec Moments podcast. Go on. Bye! Thanks for the cheeky bit of bonus content there, Andy. Always good to hear from Codec Moments. Somebody else that's got in touch with us who's decided he can't actually turn up on the show tonight because he's just still hungover from the weekend. It's Gav Irwin from Two Blokes, One Game. Another wonderful podcast. He's sent in an email in anyway, and he says, Hello, you fine gentlemen. I can't do his accent. It's just too Irish. So you'll have to bear with me. Hello, you fine gentlemen. So, here are my thoughts on the event. It's my second year going to Birmingham for EGX. Angela and I go to MLGX and meet friends. MLGX is Midlife Gamer Expo. Just so that you'd know if you didn't already know. Which you probably did. Anyway, Angela and I go to MLGX and meet friends who we chat to online and attend EGX with. Last year, me and Ben Cullen went on Saturday and it was good. This year, I went on my own to meet up with Justin, Colin and Kevney and getting to meet Stuart Cullen finally after hearing him on Year of Shame 3. For me, it's not about playing AAA games, more the independent games and to collect freebies and buy swag. The game for me is Rough Justice. It's like Streets of Rage, and when it's released, I want to try Boom Boom Barbarian. Hopefully, we can do Sunday again next year. Worst part about it for me has to be not games or stands, but sizes in clothing there. Never big enough for me to buy T-shirts and clothing on the show floor. So, that's my thoughts. Gavin. Cheers, Gav. Here's to seeing you next year. Back over to you, Ali. Uh, so just to wrap up, guys, any other comments or anything else um, about the show? Obviously, the next uh, next year's the 20th well, September. Oh, <laughs> runs birthday. <laughs> well, hang on. Yeah. <laughs> Where about my biggest surprise? <laughs> I thought you'd said it. No. <laughs> you, you did? No. 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 He said his favourite game. Careful, what was your biggest surprise? I said my favourite game. You just don't listen to me anymore. (laughs) (laughs) My biggest surprise was Nate Crowley. Uh, He turned up to do a talk, which was quite out of the ordinary. Um, He came up, uh, basically earlier on that day, I'd seen a a sign on the Resd talk bit. You know, there was like a a little stage where they could just chat about stuff. And there was a talk saying, um, how not to make an indie game my failure and how to avoid it. So I just thought, with a title like that, I've got to see this, because this could be quite interesting, you know, as a sort of warts and all look at the back end of it. And it turned out to be Nate Crowley, who's just written the 100 best video games that were never made, which is just a great concept anyway. But um, it it turns out that he talks about this text adventure that he started making and then started learning how to program at the same time and then 
realised that he could really fall down a lot of rabbit holes. That's got to be the inspiration for his book, but... Um, yeah, the, the fact that you've got Rebellion doing the uh, artwork for each game as well, it's just phenomenal looking and really looking forward to reading that now. Awesome. Any final comments for anyone? Obviously, we've just touched on that it's the 20th of September next year and I think most of us are attending and as Kev said earlier, he'll be there if he's still kicking it, which I <laughs> yeah. hope he's still, <laughs> hope he's still well, Korea, Korea has just declared war against uh, America, which is um, going to make the next couple months <laughs> interesting. That's not a joke, by the way. Um, that dates this podcast to post-apocalyptic. Anybody? Um, apparently, they're going to shoot... Apparently, Korea is going to shoot down American bombers with harsh language. Um, but, um, <laughs> yeah, 25th September next year, um, there will be cake. Uh, so, yeah... I, I, in in wrap up, I think it was a, a jolly good time was had by all, uh, and it was great to meet um, some of our other uh, fellow podcasters yeah. from the community. Yeah. We uh, managed to meet the the man, the myth, and the legend known as uh, Colin. Ooh. Yeah, um, yeah. Uh, <laughs> who, who was slightly worse for wear? Show it, yeah. show it to the wounded soldier. Uh, oh, Trev. Yes. Trev. <laughs> Trev. Somehow, <laughs> yeah. somehow broke his, dislocated his arm and broke his, uh, his, uh, his arm joint <laughs> um, all in the same night. Yeah, he like dislocated the actual, out the socket, mm, didn't he? Like the whole. Yeah. Oh. Um, so yes, uh, poor one out for homers. Um, so yeah, uh, like we say, I think we're all going to be there at various times next mm, year. Hopefully fine. we'll meet up with the Codec boys mm. next year. Uh, it's a pity we couldn't meet up with them, other than Cullen, but yeah. he's a man of many talents. Oh, I'm a team member, you know what I mean? I've got to be <laughs> yeah, 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 well, you weren't wearing a shirt, so we didn't know who we were representing. <laughs> I'm beginning to think that the Kodak boys actually do everything by night. <laughs> yeah. Do ninja oh, ops. Big foot. <laughs> yeah. Can- candlelight. Ed- editing podcast. Editing. Jesus. Um, anyway. Uh, <laughs> oh, 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 that's Ooh, that. That's shots fired. That's, 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 that's shots shot, boys. You've got three episodes out this year. <laughs> oh. I think you'll find that if you if you head over there, they've got some really nice interviews for EGX available to download right now. So, yeah, I think that about wraps it up uh, for this year's uh, EGX wrap up. Um, so uh, thank you for everyone for listening and thank you for you gents for joining me um, and returning uh, Stuart Cullen for yeah. uh, joining us on this podcast and showing us a, a good time around EGX so uh, thank you everyone for listening uh, don't forget to uh, follow us on, on Twitter and uh, don't forget to do all the podcast stuff and Podbean and, and all that Yep. Um, and uh, we'll uh, see you uh, or listen to you all on the next episode and we'll be we'll be about good night all see you later good night catch you